So Allah says, Ya ayyuhannas, O mankind, qad ja'atkum, certainly it has come to you. Maw'idatum min rabbikum, an admonition from your Lord. An advice and instruction has come to you from your Lord. But it's not just a maw'idah, it's not just an advice and instruction. It is also washifa and a cure. Lima fi-sudur for that which is in the chests. It is a maw'idah. Secondly, it's shifa. Thirdly, wahudan and a guidance. Fourthly, warahmatun and a mercy. للمؤمنين. It's a message sent to an-nas. Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nas. But at the end, who is mentioned? The believers. Because the Qur'an, Allah has sent to all people for their guidance and benefit. But who is it that truly derives benefit, guidance, and mercy from this book? Who? Al-Mu'mineen. Hudan wa rahmatun lil-Mu'mineen. Four characteristics of the Qur'an are mentioned. First of all, maw'idah. What is maw'idah? What's the root? Wa'u'in? Wa'ud. To advise someone. Have you ever been advised by anybody? No? Come on, there are people giving free advice all the time. Whether you ask for it or not, they're willing to advise you as if they have done masters in that you know, issue that you're dealing with. Hmm? So, some people when they advise you, what happens? You're like, uh, thank you, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Right? Uh, thank you for talking to me, but and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll try it, but then what happens afterwards? Their advice, it doesn't benefit you. It doesn't benefit you. And there are other people who don't advise you for a very long time. They just tell you one thing, two things, and you take it to heart. Like it just strikes you in your heart. It's like somebody just punched you there and knocked you in your senses. Hmm? Doesn't it happen? What's the difference over there? What's the difference? One was effective and the other was not effective. What made one effective and not the other? Yes. Okay, so who gave the advice? That makes a difference. If it's your, if it's someone you really look up to, you admire, and they talk to you, they advise you in some matter, you take that very seriously. And if it's a person that you do not like, and they start lecturing you, then you can't even recall what they told you. Yes? In how they spoke to you, in how they conveyed it to you, in how they advised you. So for example, if someone is talking to you, but it's like they're just going off at you. They're like yelling and yelling at you and you're just waiting for them to stop. You're scared they're going to hit you. Right? So you don't really pay attention to what they're saying. And on the other hand, is a person who's talking to you, but in a tone that is effective, that you feel as if, yes, they are communicating with you. Yes? Okay, so some people through their words, you, know, you can tell that they want the best for you. And other people, you know that they're just pretending to be nice towards you. There's a difference, right? Yes? Okay. One person is talking to you about relevant things, relevant examples, and yeah, it makes sense to you. And the other person is talking about things that you can't even imagine in your head. You're like, this is not realistic. What are you telling me to do? I can't do it. So there's a difference, right? So what is maw'idah? Maw'idah is such advice that is effective. That is effective. What makes it effective? What makes it effective? The fact that, first of all, there's something good in it. I mean, what you're being told makes sense. It is something good. You're being invited to khayr. You're being invited to do that which is going to benefit you. And you're being told to avoid that which is going to harm you. Right? Like for example, if your head is hurting, and one person tells you, lie down, you, you have like severe sinus issues and your head is hurting and one person tells you, you know what, just lie down. You're like, are you crazy? If I lie down, my head is going to hurt even more. And another person tells you, don't lie down, uh, try to walk around a little bit, have some warm tea, maybe get some steam in, don't watch this television right now because it's going to hurt your eyes and aggravate your headache. So their advice you're ready to accept it. Why? Because they're telling you to do something that is good and they're telling you to keep away from something that's going to hurt you. That's going to aggravate your situation. So the Qur'an is maw'idah. Why? Because the Qur'an calls us to what? Khayr. And if it stops us from anything, 
Why does it stop us from it? Because it is shout for us. It's logical. It makes sense. Anything good. I mean, in the Quran we learn, whoever does a good deed, he will have ten times its like. That's mawridha. Right? And a person who does evil, he will ha- have to see it. That's also mawridha. That kind of scares you. Okay. Secondly, mawridha. So what is mawridha? Effective advice that first of all, hmm? Why does it affect you? Because it calls you to khayt, stops you from shawq. Secondly, it is done with well-wishing. Meaning through the words you can see that yes, this person wants the best for me. Somebody writes you an email and there's like personal attacks on your mistakes and on your character and on your past. And even if they're telling you to do something, you become very you know, defensive. You're like, huh? no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Who are they to tell me? Right? Because you feel as if you're being attacked. But when a person reads the Qur'an, yes, there's warning, but there's also so much encouragement. Right? The names of Allah, the attributes of Allah that are mentioned. I mean, they fill our hearts with love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if there is fear, that fear is a good kind. Right? A fear so that we can be careful, so that we can be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the words of the Qur'an, the language of the Qur'an, the instruction in the Qur'an, I mean it shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants the best for us. Because if He did not want the best for us, then this Qur'an would be full of what? Negative things, you know, promises of punishment, and no forgiveness, and no acceptance of tawbah. I mean, we just studied Surah Tawbah, and what did we see? Every group of people, no matter what they've done, what is mentioned, يَتُوبُ if they do tawbah, if they do tawbah. So what does it show? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really wants the best for us. And when you feel that somebody wants the best for you, then you take what they say to heart. Thirdly, it is is advice that is given in a manner that is heart softening. I mean, it touches your heart. It touches your heart. Like for example, in the Quran there is a lot of encouragement to do ihsan, a lot of encouragement to do sabr. And what do we read? Allah does not waste the reward of those who do ihsan. Right? So when you read that, Allah does not waste the reward of those who do ihsan. I mean, that manner, that style, it really touches your heart. So no matter how difficult it is to do ihsan, you're willing to do it. Then, fourthly, ma'arada is also such instruction, such advice, in which there is both encouragement and warning. Encouragement and warning. So like in the Qur'an, you read about Jannah, and immediately after, you read about hellfire. Just a couple of verses ago, we learned about the people whose faces will be bright, and the people whose faces will be full of gloom and darkness. Right? So there is both. There is balance. You see both sides. It opens your mind. Because things are known by their opposites. If somebody tells you, you know, drink water. Just drink it. You'll feel good. It's good for you. You're like, but I'm not thirsty. I don't enjoy drinking water. I like drinking juice and tea, but I don't enjoy drinking water. So they encourage you, but if they keep encouraging and they keep asking you, did you drink it? Did you drink it? You know, make sure you drink eight glasses. Even if your stomach is like exploding, make sure you drink eight glasses. You're like, please, stop it. I know you want good for me, but please don't tell me. But if they tell you the other side of not drinking water, then what happens? They don't need to remind you. You just do it yourself. So in the Qur'an you see this balance. Both sides are shown to us. Jannah is explained, Nar is explained. Right? Our hearts are filled with fear and also with hope. So the Qur'an is maw'idah. Allah says, قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ مَوْعِظَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ A maw'idah has come to you from your Lord. So if this maw'idah has come, what should you do? Beautiful cover. Very nice. It's not that heavy either. I think it'll look good on my shelf. That's what we do with the Qur'an, right? We go to the store and we compare the weight of the Qur'an and the size of the Qur'an and the script and the beauty. That's what we do. Is that what should be done with the mawrila? What should be done? What should be done? It should be used. It should be understood. It should be applied. قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ مَوْعِلَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ Sometimes we really, we are in need of advice. Aren't we? 
There are many times in our lives that we are in need of advice. Should I study this or should I study that? Should I take this course or should I take that course? Should I take five courses or should I take eight courses? Hmm? Should I do it this year? Should I do it next year? Or should I not do it at all? So you think in your head, but then you take the advice of others also. Isn't it? We take the advice of others. So the Qur'an is maw'idha. It is advice. And if you don't take that advice, you're going to hurt yourself. You know, like in school, you have counselors. Do you? What do those counselors do? What is their job? What is their job? To give us advice about what? What courses we should take. Right? You talk to them about your goals, what you want to do, what you want to study. So they tell you, make sure you study this and this and this. Are there any other matters in which they advise you? Any other matters? Yes? If you're going through some difficulties in your school with certain people, or at home even, you can speak to them about it. Right? But if let's say there is a student who says, yeah, you know what, I want to go to med school. And um, I don't really enjoy biology, so I'm not going to take any biology courses in high school. I'm just going to stick to you know math and accounting and English and so on and so forth. And then when they're trying to apply to med school, they find out that they are not eligible. So they're like, but nobody told me. Like, really? These counselors were there. Why didn't you go? Every time they called you, you ignored them as if they knew nothing. You treated them as if they knew nothing. Every appointment that you had, you didn't show up. You didn't even bother to make an appointment. Whose fault is it? It's that person's fault, right? Because the mawr'idah is there, the advice is there. We go here, we run after people. Please tell me what to do. You tell me what to do. Can you advise me on this matter? Where is the advice? Where is the instruction? In the Qur'an. So open the Qur'an. Read it, reflect it. قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ مَوْعِلَةٌ مِنْ Secondly, shifa. What is shifa? Cure. What is a cure? That when you're suffering from an illness, you need something to fix you. Right? There is an imbalance in your body, so you need a treatment to fix that. Whether that imbalance is in your blood sugar levels or whatever it may be, there is an imbalance. So you need some kind of treatment. Now tell me, are our lives perfect? Heart. Mafil sudur. Mafil sudur is basically the heart, right? Is our heart perfect? It's perfectly balanced? We don't hate somebody too much and we're not jealous of anybody and we just love everybody and we're just always truthful. Are there issues in our heart? Okay. Can you say that, yes, I had issues five years ago, but today, you know, I'm perfectly fine? No. Do you ever become physically perfectly fine? No. You get over a cold, and then you start having another issue. You deal with one issue, and then there's some other issue. Right? So then what do you need? You say, come on, I took a whole antibiotic course for bronchitis last year. Why do I have bronchitis again? I mean, you have it, so you have to take the medication again. Right? So then, shifa is something that you are in need of every time you fall ill. Is it? Every time you fall ill, do you need shifa? Even if you took that medication five years ago for the same illness, are you going to take it again? Yes. Because that was then and now is now. So likewise... Because we're human beings, we're always having issues in our hearts. Sometimes our heart is full of love for somebody and then turns into hatred and then turns into jealousy and then we have issues. There's always one thing or the other. So what do we need? Shifa. Because how can you live a miserable life? Come on. It's like a person is sick in their body. They're sick in their body. They're aching. They're hurting. They're bleeding. They have infection. And they're like, you know what? I don't like medications. I don't like going through treatment. Is that a good way of living? Is that a good way of living? That your head is constantly hurting and you're not doing anything about it? Your hands are aching for the past two years and you haven't done anything about it? Who's to blame? You're to blame. And remember that disease, if it's not cured, what happens? It grows, it spreads. So what do we need? Treatment. Right? 
So the Qur'an is shifa for that which is in the heart, for the diseases of the heart, for the doubts which are in the heart, for the imbalance of the heart. Remember that the diseases of the heart are basically two kinds. One, shubuhat, and secondly, shahawat. Shubuhat are what? Doubts. And shahawat are what? Desires. Two kinds of diseases mainly. So doubts, meaning iman is not at the level where it should be. Iman is not at the level where it should be. A person is not certain that, yes, this is really good for me. Secondly, shahawat, desires. Whether it is the desire for money because of which a person is feeling jealous, or it is the desire for a particular person because of which they have an imbalance, so they forget their prayers and they forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're just lost in that person. It's that desire to get attention because of which a person is constantly concerned about their physical appearance before others and they're spending hours and hours just decorating their body. It's shahawat. There's an imbalance, right? So there's two kinds of diseases. Shibuhat and shahawat. And the Qur'an is a cure for both. The Qur'an is a cure for both. How? If you have doubt, the Qur'an, does it remove your doubts? Yes. Gives you proofs, gives you evidence. Removes your doubts. If you have desires that you're not able to control, whether it is your sleep, do we have sleep issues? Big time. Do we have eating issues? Yes. Extremes. Right? Do we have problems with anger? And jealousy? Yes. So the Qur'an is a cure for all of that. I was just thinking that when you're trying to have a medication or an antibiotic too much, your body starts developing superbugs towards it. So you need more and more and more every time. So we need to develop those superbugs towards the Qur'an, that we need more and more every time. Yes, that you can't ever have enough of it. You need a stronger dose. You need to spend more and more and more time with the Qur'an. Spending a little bit of time five years ago is not sufficient. Spending a little bit of time on the weekends is not enough. You see, for any medication to affect you, what is necessary? That first of all, you take it. You take it. Because many people, what they do is they go to the doctor, doctor gives a prescription, they go, get the prescription, and then what happens? The medication just sits on the counter. They're like, I did my job by buying this medication for 50 bucks. Did you go to the doctor? Yes, I did. What happened? Yeah, they gave me a prescription. Did you take it? Not yet. So the Quran is there, but do we use it? No. The advice is there. Do we benefit from it? Not always. Then, the second thing is that when you're using it, you use it properly, consistently. You know, like if there is a medication, you have to take a dose in the morning, a dose in the evening, and there are certain instructions that you're given to follow while taking that medication, you have to follow them. And if you don't follow them, is it going to affect you? It's good as nothing. It's good as nothing. Because if you have to take a medication fasting, first thing in the morning, without having had anything before it, and you're like, no, no, I can't do it like that. I'm going to have my breakfast first, and then I'm going to take this medication. Is it going to affect you? No. It's like you missed it completely. If you missed your morning dose, and you missed your evening dose, you didn't take it consistently, is it going to help you? It can make you more sick. It's not going to help you. You're going to say something? Exactly. It's a manual, and you have to follow all the instructions. Let me give you an example. Have you ever bought anything from Ikea? Okay. So then what happened? When you opened a box, there was a whole you know, set of instructions. And you're like, whatever. I'm just going to do it my way. So you start. And then you make, you put a table together and you're like, but why is it so wobbly? And how come I can't get this to work properly and that to work properly? So then what do you realize? You should have followed the instructions. Right? Likewise, it says, use this screw, not this screw. And you're like, whatever, it's just a screw. And you take any screw. Is it going to work? No, it's not going to work. Every step is so essential, so important. You can't skip it. You cannot ignore it. The Qur'an is shifa. But shifa for who? For those who are willing to take it, for those who are willing to use it, for those who are willing to apply it in the right way, for those who consistently benefit from it, regularly benefit from it, and in all the ways that you're supposed to. So for example, for a particular disease you're told, take this oral medication and also apply this cream. 
And you're like, you know what? I'm going to apply the cream, but I'm not going to take the oral medication. Are you going to get better soon? No. Are you going to recover completely? Perhaps not. So likewise, the Qur'an, some people think shifa is just reading Surah Yasin every day. You read Surah Yasin, you'll be fine. You read this surah, that surah every night, you'll never suffer from poverty. Your heart will always be clean. But then what happens? They're having issues with their mother-in-law. They're having issues with their you know, daughter-in-law. And their husband lost their job. And they're like, come on, I've been reciting this surah for 10 years every night. And I heard that if you recite this surah every night, you'll never suffer from poverty. What's going on? Some people think just reflect on the meanings. If you're reflecting on the meaning, studying the meaning of the Qur'an, that's good. But is it enough? No. Remember the Qur'an has many rights. You believe in it. You recite it. You understand it. You apply it. You convey it. And if you're not doing all of these, you cannot benefit from the Qur'an fully. You'll get partial benefit. And you know that sometimes when you get partial benefit from something, it does more harm than good. So a person might say, you know what, since I've started studying the Qur'an, you know, I'm just having so many issues. You need to do something else as well that you're not paying attention to. It is shifa'un lima fis-sudur. One more thing. Ma fis-sudur. What is in the chest? Mainly the heart. Right? Because this entire chest, what's in the center of it? What is it protecting? I mean, think about how the heart is so perfectly protected from everywhere. Right? But besides the heart, what else is there in the chest? On your right and on your left, inside your ribs, what is it? Your lungs. And what do you do with your lungs? You breathe. Now, when you breathe, what happens? When you breathe properly. When you breathe good air, clean air, and you do your breathing exercise, what does it do? Huh? Does it calm you down? It does calm you down. What else? When you breathe in properly, oxygen is taken in. Now what's going to happen? It's going to enter your bloodstream and it's going to freshen you up. Right? And there's so many other benefits. You all know of. When you recite the Qur'an, like recite it, like in Tajweed class, imagine your teacher is sitting in front of you and she's telling you recite. And if you don't say the sod properly, they're like, try again. And if you don't say the eat properly, like try again. And if you don't do the mud properly, like try again. And if you stop at every word, they're like try again. Read the whole ayah in one breath. Stop at the right place. Do you not have to use your lungs like crazy? Don't you? You do. But then the more you struggle to recite the Qur'an, it heals you. It has a physical effect also, benefit. So shifa'ul lima fi sudur it's a cure at so many levels, in so many ways. So all oh people, it has come to you. Benefit from it. It's a guidance, huda wa rahmatun and a mercy lil mu'mineen for the believers. Qul say bifadlillahi because of this fadl of Allah, this grace, this favor. What favor? This Quran that Allah has given you. That is not just something that you should beautify your voices with, but you should benefit from it, heal yourself with it. Because of this fadl of Allah, wa bi rahmati and His mercy. What rahmah, what mercy? This Qur'an. That it's not just a scripture that tells you right and wrong, but it benefits you, it heals you, makes you a better person. Because of this grace and this mercy. Because of that they should be happy, they should rejoice. And if you're happy about something, you can't just possess a copy and put it away. If you're happy about having something, like you're happy about your phone that you just got, then what happens? What happens? You leave it in the kitchen and you forget about it? You put it in your pocket and it's there in your pocket for the whole day? What happens if you're really happy about having something? Even when you don't need it, you pull it out. Right? Even if you don't, even if there's no message or anything, you still open it. Why? Because you're happy about having it. So you're constantly pulled towards it. This Qur'an you should be happy about. And imagine if we refer to the Qur'an the way we refer to our phone and the way we refer to Shaykh Google. Just imagine. فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُوا هُوَ خَيْرٌ It is better مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ than all that the people gather. What is it that we collect? What do we gather? Hmm? Stuff. 
things, likes, isn't it? Views. That's what we like to gather. So something tangible or intangible, something in the social media world or the real world that we're living in, whatever it may be. Whatever we like to gather, why do we gather? Why do we collect things? Why do we collect things? And some people go to the point of hoarding, to the point that they're buried in their own things, but they're not willing to give them up. Why is it that people gather, collect things? What's the psychology behind that? It's a source of comfort. Because you like it, you want to have more of it. When you have more of it, when you have it before you, it makes you happy. Yes? Okay, it's like it distracts you from your problems in life. Okay? Attachments. Okay, same thing, you like it. You're, yeah. You think you need it. You think you need it. It's to have that sense of security. You have, let's say, two duvet covers for your blanket. Okay? And you find a new one, and you get it. And then you see another new one, and you get it. And then you see another new one, and you get it. And now you have like six or seven. And the two that you had initially, you don't hardly ever use them. Hardly, because they're faded, they've got a stain on it, you don't like the pattern anymore. But still, we don't give it away. Why? What if I need it? What if I need it? You know, it's good to have a variety. You know, if you're bored of blue color, you can have pink. And if you're bored of purple, you can have green. It's good to have a variety. Right? So we collect things to have the sense of security. I have it, I'll be fine. And if I don't have it, I'm not going to be fine. But these things, the things of this world that we gather, do they really give us a sense of security? If we think that they are securing us, they're making us happy, we're actually deceiving ourselves. Because more than happiness, they bring us stress. And they bring us problems. And they bring us misery. How? Now you have six duvet covers and you're like, my closet, linen closet is not big enough. It's about time we move into a bigger house. When is my father going to get it? When is he going to understand that we need a bigger space? Why doesn't he understand? This is not fair. Why is riba haram? Why can't I just live on my own? When am I going to get married and have my own place? Where are all those good Islamic guys? How come I'm not getting married? I'm 19 already, not received a single proposal. What's going on? Am I that ugly? Do I not dress nicely? I think I need to go shopping. I need to learn how to do makeup. I need to make more friends. I need to socialize. You see where it started from? Having extra linens that you don't need. And it made you worried about a dozen problems. Right? And then when you have your new duvet cover on your bed and your nephew comes over and he's running about, running around the house with ketchup hands, keep away, keep away, keep away. And you yell at him and you're stressed out. He's going to touch my bed, he's going to touch my carpet, he's going to touch my wall, he's going to ruin it. The things of this world, no matter how many we have, they bring us a set of problems with them. They can never be the source of happiness. They can be the source of stress but not happiness. And so much stress that you don't know what to do with all these things that you've been hoarding. Right? What does Allah say? The Qur'an huwa khayrum It is better than all that people can collect. So please ask yourself, how much of the Qur'an have I collected in my heart? How much of the Qur'an have I collected in my heart? Because if I have this Qur'an with me, it will be with me no matter what situation I'm in. Because it's in my heart. Right? There were scholars of the past who would be jailed for years and years, but they weren't depressed. Why? Because they had the Qur'an with them. They weren't allowed to read or write even, but they were happy. Why? Because they had the Qur'an in their heart. When a person goes to the grave, what is it that's going to benefit him? What is it that's going to shield him? His recitation of the Qur'an is going to shield him from the punishment of, of the grave. On the day of judgment, when there's no shade, except the shade that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides to people, some people who recite Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran, they will be given shade under what? Az-Zahrawain, two clouds or two shades. Imagine, it will provide them shade on the day of judgment. 
When a person arrives at paradise, the gates are opened, he enters, he's told, اِقْرَأْ وَارْتَقِئْ Read and climb, read and keep going higher and higher, the way you used to recite the Qur'an in your worldly life. هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ It is better than all that people gather. So let's ask ourselves, what are my goals when it comes to the Qur'an? What do I want to take from the Qur'an? Is it just that I want to know the meaning? Or is it just that I want to know a few surahs that I can recite in my salah and that's sufficient? What's my goal when it comes to the Qur'an? How much of this Qur'an do I want to gather? How much of this Qur'an do I want to collect? Because if a person has this treasure, then he's the richest. Really, he is the richest. He will be the happiest. He will be the most content because Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul qulub. And what's the best form of dhikr of Allah? The Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all of us of the Ahlul Quran. Ahlul Quran. Not just people who think they're Ahlul Quran because they read Quran every weekend, but people who are truly Ahlul Quran because they have a good, strong relationship with the Quran that is consistent. Recitations. <laughs> ظلمت ما في الأرض لفتدت به وأسر الندامة لما رأوا العذاب وقضي بينهم بالقسط وهم لا يظلمون ألا السماوات والأرض ألا إن وعد الله حق ولكن أكثرهم لا يعلمون هو يحيي ويميت وإليه ترجعون يا أيها قد جاءتكم موعظة من ربكم وشفاء لما في الصدور وهدى وهدى ورحمة للمؤمنين قل بفضل الله وبرحمته فبذلك فليفرحوه وخير مما يجمعون I asked you a question. Do you know why people collect things? Why people hoard things? Have you ever seen that TV show Hoarders? No? Seriously? You guys don't watch TV? Okay. Hard to believe. But any video, any video clip that talks about or that shows people who hoard, who collect too many things and then they're unable to deal with all that stuff. And many people, they're disgusted by it. They are repulsed by it. They look down on people who collect things which are beyond their ability to manage. And people think that their lives must be really messed up, which is why they are living this way. I watched this short clip And I found out that the reason why people collect things, they hoard, they don't even get rid of garbage, is because there's always this hole in their life which they're trying to fill up with stuff. There's always something in their life which is missing. They've been hurt or they have lost a loved one or they have failed in something or they had high hopes which they were never able to fulfill. And as a result of that, what happens is that they start filling their house or their space with stuff. And they think that perhaps one day, these things are going to help them. 
or perhaps one day they'll be able to sell these things and make a lot of money, or they might need those things. So which is why even plastic bottles, they don't throw away. And their houses will be filled up literally with trash. They're not able to find the things that they need. And which is why they will go and buy more. And it happens in every class of people, even the elite, people who are very well off, even they sometimes hoard a lot. There was a short video clip about this woman who lived in a very up-class area and her house was basically full of shoes. It was full, literally full of shoes. Why? Because she would work, make money and go shop, shop and then work some more, make more money and then shop, shop, shop and then again work more, make money and this cycle, it just continued. Now this is an extreme example. Right? But this extreme example is also not rare. It's becoming quite common. It's like a disease that is spreading amongst people of wealthy countries. Right? That they have a lot of stuff and they want more and they're not satisfied. In fact, that stuff, it makes them isolated. It makes them antisocial. They don't mingle much with people because obviously if you make friends with people, that means that you have to go over or have them over and they don't want to do that. So they don't make much friendships, right? They don't socialize much and they live isolated, guilty lives and they're not confident anymore, right? It's like as if they're living a double life. Now this is an extreme example, but like I said to you earlier, this is becoming quite common. We see that people love to collect things. They have a little bit and they want even more. They're not satisfied. Why? Because like it was mentioned that there's always a hole, there's always something missing, right? That we want to make up with tangible things. There's always a loss of loved ones, some grief, you know, some failure in life because of which people do this. Now what's the answer? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in these ayat? That what is the best thing that people could collect? What is it? It is the Qur'an. Because that emptiness in life You know what that means? We need to turn to Allah. That emptiness, that dissatisfaction, despite having everything, what does it mean? That we need a greater purpose in life. We need some source by, through which, through whom we will be able to overcome our weaknesses. Some source of relief that will calm our fears. Some source of relief that will calm our sadness, our distress. that will make up for it, that will bring us true satisfaction in our hearts, true happiness in our lives. And can it ever be achieved by things of this world? Never. Never. No matter how much of the things of this world we collect, whether it is shoes or bags or clothes or plastic bottles or coins or whatever it may be, something useless, something valuable, is it really going to give a sense of satisfaction deep in the heart? Never. it's only going to become a source of burden and regret and guilt. Isn't it so? It's going to turn into trash. It's going to become a burden. Think about it. When we look after our things, so for example, you spend half a day cleaning up, let's say your closet or your laundry room, right? Half a day. How do you feel after you've done everything? How do you feel? What's the state of your back? And what's the state of your hands? And what's the state of your mind? How do you feel? You feel useless, right? It doesn't bring you satisfaction. But spending a quarter of the day with the Qur'an will bring you what? Some sort of satisfaction. Even five minutes of recitation, what do they bring you? Much more satisfaction. Isn't it so? So this is why Allah says, هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ The Qur'an is the best of what people can gather. Best of what people can collect. Because collecting the Qur'an, it is a means of joy and happiness. And collecting the things of this world, what is it? They become a source of torture, a source of embarrassment, and absolute dissatisfaction. Torture. How is it torture? Because the things are in front of you, but you don't have the physical strength to deal with them. Because what happens with age? People lose their physical strength, right? They have all those things, but they can't manage them. They cannot manage them, they cannot use them, they cannot sell them. 
they are deteriorating in their physical strength, but there are so many things in front of them that they have to do. So what happens? These things become a source of torture, embarrassment. That when people come in, or even when your own relatives come in, sometimes your own mother or your father or your son, what do they do? They look down on their relatives who collect things. Why do you have so many things? Why do you have all of this garbage here? Right? What we collect becomes trash, garbage. The things of this world. But the Qur'an on the other hand, what is it going to be? It is going to intercede for a person on the day of judgment. Tell me, is our furniture going to intercede for us on the day of judgment? Our money that's sitting in the bank account, is that going to intercede for us on the day of judgment? What is going to intercede? The Qur'an. The things of this world will remain behind. They're not going with us in the grave. We think that they make us happy. But that's only a deception. They don't actually make us happy. Think about it. People get more money. And what happens soon after that? They become very miserable. Right? The famous story of this man who won a lottery. And he basically made a lot of money. And then what happened? Many years down they asked him. Because his life was a total mess. They were interviewing him. And he said that, I wish I had not taken that check. I wish I had not taken all that money. Because it messed me up. It messed my children up. It destroyed my family. It destroyed my life. But the Qur'an, huwa khayrum mimma yajma'oon. Now tell me, the Qur'an is really the best of what people can gather. How is it that we should gather the Qur'an? What does it mean by gathering, jammer of the Qur'an? Any idea? Does it mean you collect lots of copies? Old and new, as artwork. Yeah? What does it mean? Gathering the Qur'an. Yes? Okay, collecting knowledge of the Qur'an. Okay, so what is the knowledge of the Qur'an? First of all, it's very verses. Right? Good. So first of all, gathering the knowledge of the Qur'an means the very verses of the Qur'an, gathering those, meaning memorizing them. Collecting them in the heart. Because you know, you might have, let's say, the best clothes to wear. All right? But what happens sometimes is that you have so many clothes that they don't fit in your closet. So then what happens is that we have to put them in suitcases or in boxes. Extra clothes. And then we put them in the basement or somewhere you know, under the bed or somewhere really awkward in the house. So what happens when you want to wear something, then you're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Is it in that bag? Is it in that box? Is it in that closet? Is it in that room? It's so difficult to access jewelry, gold jewelry. What happens? Women wonder when they have to go to a wedding. Which bank is it in? Which locker is it in? Huh? Where is it? I don't remember. And then they go and check. It's so difficult to access it. When you want it, you can't have it. It's so difficult to go get it. But the Qur'an, the verses of the Qur'an, if they're in your heart, when do you have access to them? Even in your sleep. Really, even in your sleep. And even in the state of nazar. You know what that means? When a person is about to die. There are people who are at the verge of dying. They're in that extreme agony. They're unconscious. They're neither awake nor are they completely dead. So what happens is that they start saying things many times. And some people, what do they start saying? What do they start reciting? The ayat of the Qur'an. Why? Because they're in the heart. They're preserved in the heart. هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ it is the best of what people can collect. Yes. I remember one of my teachers uh, mentioned that the scholars of the past, they were so happy even though they had lost everything of this world, they were prisoned, but they were happy because they had the Quran in their hearts. So mm-hmm. nobody could strip them of that knowledge. Yeah, because what's in your heart, nobody can pull that away. Nobody can steal that from you. Nobody can snatch it away from you. Right? What's outside, what's external, you have to put in so much effort to preserve it, to save it from the people. But what's in the heart, it is yours. It is your treasure. Yes. Uh, there's a quote where Naman Ali Khan, he said, the benefits of memorizing the Qur'an, when you recite something ten times, you understand something that you didn't understand when you recited it nine times. So it just expands your brain into a complete new understanding of the Qur'an. Yes. So So first of all, it's very verses. And secondly, it's knowledge, it's understanding also. So what are your goals? 
with regards to collecting the Qur'an. How much of the Qur'an do you wish to collect? If I were to ask you, here's your visa card, okay? Yours. And go shop. As much as you want. It's yours. You're never going to be charged for it. You're never going to see any bill. What would be your shopping goals? What would be your shopping goals? Tell me. Honestly. Buy more shoes? Buy jewelry? Buy more clothes? What else? Books? MashaAllah. What else? Travel. Maybe a new computer? Hmm? Or a gadget or something? So, I mean, if we know that we can get something, we immediately start setting goals for ourselves. When somebody tells you, let's go shopping, when your mom tells you, let's go shopping, I'll buy you some clothes, you already know what you want. A dress, a shirt, what color, what fabric, what style. You know what you want in your head before you go. Alright? So likewise, when it comes to the matter of the Qur'an, what are your goals? Write them down. How much of the Qur'an do you want to collect? And it's up to you. How much ever you collect is going to go with you. It's going to stay with you forever. On the Day of Judgment, the Qur'an is going to come and intercede and say that, Oh Allah, this person, I used to keep him awake during the night, meaning he used to recite me. And during the day also, I used to keep him occupied. So please forgive him. Please make him enter Jannah. Is your kitchen going to say that? Is your closet going to say that? Are your shoes going to say that? Oh Allah, she used to wear me. And you know her feet would hurt and her back would ache, but still she used to wear me just to look beautiful. So please, please forgive her. Really? Are our clothes going to say, Oh Allah, this person used to wash me and you know iron me and take so much care of me and wear me so carefully? Please forgive them. Yeah? Are they going to come, the things of this world? Are they going to come and intercede? No. The Qur'an will. So how much of the Qur'an do we want to take with us? How much of the Qur'an do we want to take with us? Somebody recently, they were asked that, what are your memorization goals? How is it going? They're like, either I'm going to do it, or I'm going to die trying. Either I'm going to end up memorizing the entire Qur'an, or I'm going to die while I'm still trying to memorize the Qur'an. We're settled with having memorized only a few surahs that we memorized in childhood. But is that sufficient? Really, is it sufficient? Don't we need to learn more Qur'an so we can recite it in our salah, in Fajr? You know, the Prophet ﷺ used to recite almost a hundred verses in Fajr. Almost a hundred verses in Fajr. And how is it that we can do that if we only know a couple surahs? How can we do it? We think, you know, only some people who are very, very committed, they can memorize the Qur'an. And they've got smart brains. And they're just different. This is why they can do it. You know, I'm different. I'm okay with the fact that I'm not going to memorize any part of the Qur'an. I'm not saying go, leave everything, enroll yourself in a hith program, and just memorize the entire Qur'an. But have some goals. The month of Ramadan is coming. At least have a goal of memorizing one more surah. We think only smart people can memorize the Qur'an, but actually, memorizing the Qur'an is what makes you smart. It really makes you smart. Because it increases your you know, capacity to memorize things faster, understand and remember particular details. I mean, think about the detail in the Qur'an. When it comes to kasra, sukoon, when it comes to the right kind of makharij, right? All the tajweed rules, it requires a lot of detail and attention. So if you get used to paying so much attention, right? then obviously it's going to become second nature. So memorizing the Qur'an is actually what makes people smarter. So, any goals? Any goals? What goals? Tell me. What goals do you have when it comes to the memorization of the Qur'an? Collecting the Qur'an. Yes. Alhamdulillah. So she has joined once a week Qur'an hifth class, right? Once a week. It's not every single day, it's not full time. Are you doing anything else in your life or is it just that one Friday class that you do? You have summer school. High school? University. Okay. So that means you're busy. Okay. Anybody else? Any other goals? With regards to the Qur'an? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Very good. There are parts of the Qur'an that perhaps we memorized once upon a time. Hmm? 
in our childhood when our mom or our dad or our Quran teacher made us memorize certain portions of the Quran. But then what happened? We grew up and other things became more important and we kind of forgot those surahs. So now we kind of know them but don't really know them that well. So is that really gathering the Quran or is it gathering it and losing it? It's losing it, right? So then what is necessary? That whatever we memorized in the past, review it. So she's saying that she started reviewing her 30 juz, how that she wrote on the calendar, you know, for each day, which surah she was going to review. So one surah a day, or half a surah a day, depending on the length of the surah, and depending on the time that you have, but take time out for this. And then review it in the salah. Because again, remember, this Qur'an is going to go with us. Everything else is going to stay behind. Don't people gain so many worldly degrees? Don't they? Where are those certificates and those documents? Where do they stay? Here. Don't people read so many books? Where do they stay? Here. But the Qur'an, if a person has given its haqq and collected the Qur'an, it will go along with him. And we go into so much detail for that stuff. And I was just thinking, just if we do that about Qur'an. And um, I know a couple of uh, months ago, there was a Facebook group started on um, uh, for memorizing the Qur'an. And what they did was every day they would memorize one ayah of Surah Baqarah. And it was a bunch of them. There was like a hundred people and everybody would encourage everybody else. So like that, I think almost all of the people, they have at least half of Surah Baqarah memorized by now. Alhamdulillah. So one ayah a day. Is it possible? Okay, so the Baqarah is kind of difficult because the ayat are long. I mean, ayat al-dayn is a page long, right? But if we start from the 30th Jews even, one ayah a day, is it possible? It is possible, right? So do something. Get together, set some goals for Qur'an memorization, and check each other, question one another, and make sure everybody is doing something or the other. Yes. Um, while I'm at work, I know a lot of workplaces, they have most... A lot of websites blocked, but I found out that at my workplace and at some other workplaces, the website groupshark.com, it's available. And um, most people use it as a music playlist, just in the background while they're working. That website also has every surah of the Qur'an available. And you have the option of having it looped. You can have the option of choosing which surahs to have repeated. And alhamdulillah, I was... There was a surah that someone else mentioned that I had memorized when I was younger, and I didn't have it, I had forgotten some of it. So just for hours on end, it would be on loop, and you can recite it while you're doing your work. And I just thought... Yeah, if, if it's if you, mindless work, right? Yeah. In which you don't really have to pay much attention. So if you do work and you have a computer, try it. Jazakallahu <laughs> khairan.